Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is Nate and Chuck live from LibertyCon in Miami, Florida. We are sitting here with our old pal Dan Fishman, the executive director of People for Liberty. How you doing today, Dan? I'm good. What's up, Nate and Chuck? It's always a pleasure to be back on the show. Living the dream. I like conferences in Miami. Conferences in Miami are good. I like conferences in Miami that are inside for the uh, daylight hours. Yes, Because it's too hot and humid outside. It's still too hot in here. You know, not to complain to everyone who's listening, but this jacket was a terrible choice. I, I, that's why I'm glad we're on radio. Nobody can tell that yes. I'm actually in a wife beater. Yeah. <laughs> and right. that's it. Yeah. So catch us up on what's been going on with People for Liberty. We've talked in the past uh, different conferences uh, before, so let us know what's going on. Uh, so we are finishing up our first year, our first fiscal year of actually having paid staff. Uh, and for a nonprofit, that's a pretty big milestone. Uh, and it's been noticed. So we get a lot of people coming in now saying, you know what, we see you guys having done things, having actually accomplished things. We want some of that. And so we get a lot of people getting involved. We are getting ready to absorb uh, one of the oldest Liberty groups out there, Downsize DC. Uh, they've been around for 20 years and they've done some really good work, uh, but they see the fact that we have been successful as an organization in moving things. And they're like, can you give, help us with our organizational strength? And so we're absorbing Downsize DC. We have a, uh, New thing coming out, we're calling the Liberty DNA Project. It's funny, we're right across the booth from the world's smallest political quiz, which is an amazing tool. However, notice that everybody who's doing that right now, they're not recording any of that information. They don't have any way to get back to those people and say, hey, we know that you are 10 points away from being a libertarian. And if I knew that that 10 points was on immigration, I would want to message that person on immigration and move them that 10 points and make a new libertarian. The Liberty DNA Project is People for Liberty's project in doing that. Uh, we have a, a big quiz, 20 Likert questions, you know, strongly agree to strongly disagree, to gauge where people are in liberty issues, and then we ask them to rank their liberty issues in order. And what that's teaching us is what we call people's liberty-adjacent issues. So if you are, for example, if your number one liberty issue is cannabis, there's an 85% chance that your number two liberty issue is criminal justice reform. That's not shocking, right? Those mm -hmm. go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But if your number one liberty issue is school choice, and school choice is huge right now, your number two liberty issue is probably occupational licensing. And that was a revelation to us. But when we started talking to people and taking us where the data led us, then we found out that if you're, an if you're a school choice person at some point in time, you have tried to hire somebody to teach your kids something or do something with your kids, and the school or the state has said, no, you can't do that. And so now, I bring a liberty message. Exactly. I bring a liberty message about occupational licensing to school choice people, and I get people who never identified as a libertarian or liberty person saying, "Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm more in favor of liberty than I realized." That's cool. I like the I like the usage of the data. Um, well, you know, that's where I came from. I actually I'm much more famous as a computer scientist than I am as a libertarian, and I came from a data-driven world, and so we have the ability to go out there and do the same thing that every salesman in the world does. Analyze the market, do a little research, figure out what people are buying, and not try to sell you know, a Ford F-150 to somebody who wants to buy a Tesla. That's just not gonna work. 
So for us in the liberty movement, we have this giant diaspora of liberty issues out there. I can't sell every liberty issue to every liberty person, but if I listen to them and let them tell me what's the liberty message they want to hear more about, I can be a much more effective communicator and make them realize that, you know, the great revelation that all of us have at some point in time is that there's not 20 liberty issues. There's a really only one liberty issue. But you get there by realizing that the one that brought you here is part of that larger, larger piece. Because people still want to solve these real problems that affect them. I mean, exactly. Like, you, like, so if my number one is, uh, let's say, theft yep. <laughs> by taxation, what would my number two be? So I will tell you that is the one that has the broadest thing. But, you know, and we, like I said, we're early into the survey. But for people who taxes is the number one thing, the number two thing is usually... Uh, occupational licensing again because it has to do with occupational licensing essentially is a tax right it's a fee it's the barrier to entry to get you into a business and uh, you know another one that's very interesting and we don't have a really good way to quantify it right now is but people talk about uh, about a minimum wage law in the same way you know minimum wage is actually sort of a tax on businesses as well because if you're a business owner you're paying more than you would have to to hire somebody one of my favorite Liberty moments on television was not with a real Liberty person. It was with uh, Vince McMahon's wife, who I can't remember her name right now. Uh, but wrestling fans, of course, know who Vince McMahon is. <laughs> Mrs. Uh, McMahon. Lin Linda McMahon. <laughs> Mrs. McMahon. So she, <laughs> Mrs. McMahon, right. Yeah. So she ran for, senator, for Senate in uh, Connecticut against Dick Blumenthal. And Dick Blumenthal had been in government for like 40 years. And they got a chance where they got to ask each other questions. And she said... You know, Senator Blumenthal, uh, I was wondering, you know, you've been in government for a long time. Can you tell me, how is a job created? He's like, well, you know, government creates circumstances where there's tax benefits and, uh, you know, we create the right economic environment and, you know, make sure that there's adequate policing. And, and at the end of it, she's like, government, government, government. I can tell you as a business person that the only way a job is created is when a business owner says, I can make more money by hiring one other person for my company. And anything else stops it. And when you create a minimum wage that is $15 an hour, if the person's labor is only worth $10 an hour, they are now unemployable. Mm -hmm. Nobody will ever hire them. So if a job is your ladder out of the well of poverty, let's not make the first rung on that ladder any higher than we have to. Or if you uh, if you do have to pay them 15 and you absolutely have to do it, you could raise the price of all of the goods that you're selling. And that specifically is helped by if the money supply has grown by a large amount recently, then you might have the pricing power with your business to be able to go and raise all your prices and pay that $15 an hour. Right. And maybe we have something like that occurring right well, now. I don't know. You, you know, it's funny. The reason that we call the term inflation is because the money supply is inflated. That's actually the origin of the word. And so here where you have the situation and the money supply becomes inflated, we experience inflation and prices go up. And now what's funny about it is two states that I know of, California and Massachusetts, are actually refunding taxes to people because they collected too much money. But by refunding that money, and I'm all favored, they're actually inflating the money supply again. Are they decreasing their budget by the amount that no, they're refunding? No, of course not. Of okay. course not. Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe they might have been doing that. No, no, no. no. I guess I, not. That, that would be amazing if they did that. So you know what? <laughs> yeah. Let's, if, if what they did instead of giving the money back was to say, you know what? We don't need to collect taxes next year. How awesome would that be for the economy? Because it would be something that you knew was happening. It actually would deflate the money supply and make things more affordable. But 
government doesn't think like that. It would be great when you say, say the corporate tax, you know, we dropped it down quite a bit in 2017, 2018, whatever yep. that went into effect. Uh, what, what's really dangerous is you say, well, these businesses, they're not raising their wages as much. Uh, trickle down economics is not working, you know, like they said it would, which they never did because no one ever really called it that. But right. um, people don't know when the tax rate's just going to go right back up. And so what we saw a lot of were people giving bonuses those years, or they would give a temporary benefit because they know that likely the tax rate's going to go back up. They can't really plan for that tax rate to be where it is. And so they, they can't go ahead and raise everyone's wages that way because you can't decrease someone's wages after right. you've raised them, but they know the tax rate can just go right back up. I've always been in favor of when they do these tax decreases, there needs to be a contract for at least a minimum amount of years that this is in place so the businesses can plan ahead on this and right. know how long they're going to have this environment. So then you really see the investment and the growth that people say you're going to see. Because yeah. it takes a long time to build to build a business. Yep. You know? there's, there's a great article online uh, put out by that uh, super conservative organization, National Public Radio. <laughs> Hunted down. It's called Six Policies That Economists Agree Upon and Policies Hate. And they have six economists from across the board, a Marxist all the way to a conservative, and they all agree that eliminating in corporate income tax benefits everybody. But politicians are unwilling to do it because they go, oh, we're not taxing the people, we're taxing corporations. I don't know, have to go through the math. You guys have got a sophisticated yeah. audience. They understand why corporate income tax is terrible. But it's crazy. Well, it doesn't that we're still exist, here. actually. It's, right, exactly. Because you pay it. <laughs> exactly. Right. And sometimes you know, they'll go so far as to put it on the receipt for you, right. which is nice. Well, like, right. like airlines. Yeah, they yeah, put like, it on the ticket. Yeah, all these fee fees, fee five fo phones, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just listed out there for you where it's like, well, we'll make the airlines pay for your 9-11 security tax. Uh, no, it's nope. right there on your I on saw, your receipt. I saw, by the way, the Biden administration is trying to go after airlines for all of their hidden fees. Now, the hidden fees are them listing out what the government charges them to do everything. And so now they're trying to go after the airlines for putting all of the hidden fees after the after the flight. Right. And, and what they want to do is they want to list the other fee for printing out all the other fees. Yeah. yeah. OK, so you get these you do all the data. You you find these people. They're really close to being libertarians. You send them the messaging that brings them over to being libertarians. And then you send them an email that says and join the libertarian party. No. I don't send that email. Okay. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Do you ever get stuck focusing on problems and not the solutions to those problems? I bet you do because that's totally normal. Heck, we talk about problems like 80% of the time on this show. But the day we spend talking about solutions, that's actually the most important one. I mean, seriously, we got so many things going on. The economy, society, our personal lives, of course. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode, but there's no better feeling than learning how to find your own solutions. No matter how big or small, a therapist can help you become a better problem-solver. And honestly, it feels pretty weird to talk about therapy, as I do a lot on here. But I've done it, and it worked. I went through a really tough period a few years ago, and I still remember a couple pivotal things that my therapist told me. Today, I'm feeling better than ever, and I'm not afraid to tell everyone that therapy played a really big role in that transition. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists anytime. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash GML. Uh, I mean, <laughs> at this point in time, you know, I'm a former executive director of the Libertarian Party, but uh, I would not, I have become convinced that uh, a political party bearing the flag of the Liberty Movement is a terrible idea. Hmm. Because unfortunately, a political party is dedicated to a political concept, and a political concept has nothing to do with liberty because liberty shouldn't be political. Liberty should be apolitical. It'd be something that we agree upon outside of the context of politics. And so that's why our organization is called People for Liberty. You yeah. could almost call it in reverse, liberty for the people. Okay? What we want is a situation in which it's not going to be flighty and frivolous. We're not going to have an organization that you know, changes its path parts the way along the way because you know, a different group got elected to being in charge of things are dedicated to the policy of liberty is complete and absolute. We want you to be as free as you possibly can. I'll do my job as a podcast host here and a, a media person right now. Did you have those feelings before what went down with the Libertarian no. Party? At the time when I, when I took the job as the executive director and, uh, you know, I, people can look me up on LinkedIn. You can see my patents. Uh, I was much more famous as a software engineer. Uh, gainfully employed, making a lot of money. I left all that behind to come down and serve the Liberty Movement by being the executive director of the Libertarian Party. And I thought that we were doing really good things. But we were dedicated to this idea, and I'll just point with the very first thing, that bigotry is both irrational and, repub and repugnant. And when the new leadership got in there and said that they were going to remove that plank so the party would be more welcoming to bigots, no, that, we crossed the line. Well, what me, about what about what they replaced issue. it with? They did they did replace the no, line with no, it, with something else. They replaced else. it with Neville Chamberlain's uh, <laughs> "Peace in Our Time." Right? It's an appeasement policy. Either bigotry is irrational and republic repugnant, or you are saying, you know what? I'm not going to say that anymore. And you know, but let me oh, so let me grill you on this one. What is bigotry? Bigotry is when you have a preconceived notion of who somebody is and judge against them because of that. Okay, it's easy to define. You know, I know some people say you can't define bigotry, but in fact, bigotry is when, based on nothing other than a person's appearance or something that you've heard about them, a preconceived notion about them without knowing who they are as a person, and I don't believe you can know who a person is by looking at their skin color. I don't believe you can know who a person is by them telling you what their religion is. You might know some things about them, but you need to get to know the person before you judge them. And if you're going to judge them without knowing the person, you're a bigot. Do you think I don't, so I don't disagree with that, but let me press you a little further on this. Yep. Who gets to decide who is being the bigot? So, so who, who is passing judgment on the bigot for the bigot passing judgment? Like that's that. Are you bigoted so, against bigots? What's yes. Well, what's tough for me? <laughs> Am I intolerant against intolerance? What's, <laughs> what's tough for me is having a, having a bylaw like that. Not that I don't morally disagree with it because I don't. I, I do think people should not be bigots and you should absolutely. Uh, I, I love this slogan at my church that's everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. Yep. Like that I feel that way about the liberty movement. Everyone's welcome. No one's a perfect libertarian but anything's possible. It's the same thing. Like you replace it for me. Um, so I do agree with that morally but the one problem for me is having that as a bylaw is who gets to decide what is bigotry? Same thing as like who gets to decide what is hate speech? I mean, we believe as as liberty people this innocent until proven guilty. So how can we, how can we have a law like that? Let's say or a bylaw on the books of a, of a platform where we can just say, yeah, this is what we believe, and we're going to you know denounce people that we feel are bigots. 
So we had a great example of this in American history when they essentially repealed most pornography laws. Uh, and I believe it was uh, Justice Blackwell, I might be wrong on this, I'm sure listeners will correct me, who said, you know, it's hard to define what pornography is, but I know it when I see it, okay? I would make the same argument for bigotry, although I don't find it particularly hard to say it. Who gets to decide who is repugnant? I'm not saying bigotry should be illegal, okay? What I'm saying is that I find it irrational and repugnant. And that is something that I'm willing to say. That is my position on that. And I think that more people standing up for that, you know, when Joe Jorgensen ran for president, she said, it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. So I'm not gonna sit in a room and have somebody use the N-word and not stand up and say, that's not okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what we're asking people to do. We're asking people to stand up for that thing. You know, Martin Luther King, you, know, you guys got me hot here. So Dr. Yeah, King, good, in his good. letter from a Birmingham jail said, a man can't ride your back unless it's bent. And that's an important thing to do because all we really have to do for liberty to happen is for us to be willing to stand up. Don't have a back bent when you are confronted with the things that require you to take a stand. And I am going to take a stand against bigotry. I'm going to take a stand against the idea that you can judge a person by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. And so here we have the situation where I get to say, you know what? This is just something that I think is a moral piece of behavior. Now, I'm not gonna make it illegal, but I am going to say that morally, that's the people that I'm associated with. And my political movement, the candidates that I'm gonna support, the people that I'm gonna do, we're gonna agree on that thing about it. We are going to agree that that level of racism, because we know that it can be used for evil. We know that there are people who can collect people because they are small-minded bigots and build a political organization around them. And that is a threat to what I believe is the best way of life that we can have. What about this, though? So here, we've seen a lot of hyperbole over the last few years coming from the media. Uh, I'm yep. sure you would agree. Left and right are going to extremes right now, it, it, it seems like to me. And the problem I see is that if you have a policy or a belief of, let's say eventually we don't have a welfare system okay uh, let's say eventually uh, you know we don't want uh, we don't like uh, affirmative action type policies or we don't like uh, whatever whatever it may be if uh, libertarians believe those things uh, to a lot of people on the left you're bigots and you're not a bigot because of that you right. actually truly want to help people right and you know what could make but to those people that uh, that belief is something a bigot would believe which makes you a bigot and so do you think that there is a, any response by taking that language out because everything has been so muddy over the last few years everything that i don't like is racist everyone that disagrees with me is racist and a fascist and an extremist and so do you think that there could be problems with that kind of uh that kind of language you know i i think that you can absolutely have calm and rational discussions about what is a racist behavior what it comes down to is fundamentally if you are prejudging people based on their race. Racism <laughs> is defined as the belief that one race is superior to another. So when you tell me that black people have a higher incidence of crime uh, or that uh, you know, there is a higher incidence of drug use among African Americans, all those things, if you're going to tell me that it happens because they're black, well, that's just not true. It has nothing to do with the person they are. It has to do with the environment that they're in, okay? The, the neighborhoods that they've grown up in, the community standards that they were raised with, okay? And 
the government. It's, really. an, it's exactly. an economic problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but when we talk about that now, and we can talk about the fact that there has been systemic racism against African Americans because white people had a political power and racism was racism was accepted, and so they would practice what's called redlining. You guys are probably familiar mm -hmm. with that, where black people couldn't get loans to buy houses to live in white neighborhoods. Okay. Now you want to say, okay, a neighborhood should be able to, you know, buy up all the houses and control them. I'm not going to argue with that. You shouldn't be able to influence banks uh, to say, don't give loans to these people because they're black. And if you do, we're going to boycott. You shouldn't them. institutionalize that. Exactly. That idea. Or Rosa Parks, right? Rosa Parks isn't not sitting in the back of the bus because the bus company had that policy. It was the city of Montgomery, Alabama. It's the government that's involved in stuff. And so now the government, right, at least in theory in the United States, the government is representative of the majority vote. But there are some things, as we spoke about a little bit earlier, that we shouldn't be voting on. Okay, mm -hmm. there are some things that you know we have to have an understanding that we are going to stand up for a person and for a people and for what Ayn Rand called the smallest minority, the individual, and a guarantee of their rights. Okay, and when you start talking about a guarantee of the rights of the individual, you are immediately moving away from any concept of racism or bigotry. I, I can agree with that, and I know uh, you did your homework, and you realized that if you quoted Ayn Rand, that I would immediately agree with whatever it was that you were saying. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken so, dinner. <laughs> so good, good job there. Here's my my problem. I hate the fact that there was this divide that happened in the Libertarian, Libertarian Party because it's already a very small group of people in the yep. first place. And what I asked uh, the people that were on the show last week is: there ever a path to reunification for these? fractionated groups in the party uh, can we accept that we just have a different way of doing things but we all want the same end outcome and work together on things do you think that something like that could happen i i, I don't see a day which i would say that bigotry is not irrational and repugnant <laughs> and repugnant uh, and that that's just where i am like so for example as soon as that plank was removed the pirate party of the united states adopted it as their official plank we condemn bigotry as irrational and Republican. It's not a bylaw, it's in the platform, okay? So I don't know that there's gonna be a reconciliation with people who think that was a good move. Now, here's the thing. Do I think that everybody who voted for that knew what they were saying? I don't. The saddest moment that I have ever had as a libertarian was at the convention in Reno at the end. And so I was elected a delegate from a Mises state, from Maryland, but my representative, a guy named Otto, who, uh, you know, he's high up in the Mises, but he saw me out there, he did the work, and he said, you know, Dan, you're a guy who you, we're not, you're not gonna vote the way we want to, but you work hard, we want you at the thing. And so I was elected as a delegate from Maryland. I did everything I could to help my new delegates who had never been to a country before, understand how things work, teach them the voting process, all that sort of stuff. And we got along great, even though we all voted different ways, until we got to the platform and the changes in the platform. And then what happened was we were out of time, we had lost AV, and you know, the libertarian platform, every comma has been debated in that article. But here, we didn't have AV, but they had a two-thirds majority and said, you know what? We can't put it on the screen, but we're gonna read you this new plank, and then we're gonna hold up signs whether you should vote for it or not. Nobody had any time to even consider it. And blindly, two-thirds of the convention, so this is what we think, yes. This is what we think, yes. Nobody had time to consider anything. And that's when I thought, you know what, we have really devolved. Because if you were truly a libertarian, 
you would be arguing about every single thing that happened along the way. You would say, we can't vote on this because the population, the body politic, is not well enough informed to make a decision. And we wouldn't want to use this political majority to inflict our will on a political minority. But we did it. We lost that stuff. Now, here's the thing. All those guys that I hung out with in Maryland, those were good guys. Okay, I'm very happy with the friendships that I made there. I hang out with them. And I can be in a party with those guys again. But I can't be in a party with the people who think, you know what, we are going to use our political might to change things in a way that people don't really understand what's happening anymore. And so there is a break in the leadership of the party right now. I think that there's a possible to get back together with, I think 80% of the people who in the party are really awesome people. 10% of the people are enabling the other 10% who really have a purpose of destroying the Libertarian Party. I do believe that there is you know, external money in the party right now that is dedicated to making sure that Joe Jorgensen doesn't cover the spread between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's a reason that you know six states where uh, Joe did cover the spread, that's where you saw this new takeover really gain traction first. The reason, there's a reason why, you know, all this FEC money that they're finding out all these frauds and allegations about, where did it come from? I'm sure it's going to be, you know, Republican-leaning political action committees. I, 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 I have an issue with that one because I feel like if they are going, what I've heard is that they're going more right-wing, like the, this, uh, say, Mises Libertarian Party is more right-wing, and I feel like that would actually take... Uh, more votes, like a, like a Dave Smith or a whoever would run, would actually be able to take more votes away from the Republican Party than... It, not uh, if they're not on the ballot. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing about it. It's who gets libertarians on the ballot. It's been the activists and the hard workers. And so what's happening now is you see states like Virginia, states like Massachusetts, states like New Mexico, where all the hard workers, and frankly, all the money, have gone off and started their own parties. But what's going to happen as a result of that is that no libertarian candidate is going to have 50 state ballot access in America in 2024, which means that, you know, if it's uh, Trump or if it's DeSantos or, you know, maybe Jeb Bush wants to run again, (laughs) Um, whoever it is, please clap, Um, whoever it is, right, they're not going to have to worry about a libertarian taking votes away from them in Georgia, right, where the race was decided by, I don't even remember what the number was, but certainly Joe Jorgensen more than 14,000 votes, something like that. And so that's the real goal. All the other stuff, you know, that's that's the Saul Alinsky playbook. I, just, I, I choose that deliberately. So, uh, yeah, I think I understand this a lot more now, and so I'm, I'm very empathetic to that, you know, uh, what is happening. I just, I have a hard time, like when I listen to Michael Heiss, um, when I listen to Dave Smith, when I listen to Scott Horton. Angela. Angela. When I listen to these people, it's like it's hard to think that that, that there's that much of a conspiracy. Now, there could be. I believe question everything. I mean, yeah. there could be. I just like I have a hard time putting that together to be like, okay, there's like, there's a Russia Trump infiltration <laughs> <laughs> trying to make sure that the Republicans get elected in these states. I have a hard time seeing that as a motivation. But you see the incentive behind the the idea, which is why yeah, which you which can, could be possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's that you should question that. So I, I think I think really though at least the way the way that i see it is i think one thing that i've always thought which was hard for me to become a libertarian um was that the the direction of the party um not not necessarily the direction i guess but more so the the focus of the party um was hard for me to get behind because 
you know, the, I really believe in, in fighting things at the local level until you can become a, a, a large enough party. Um, so for instance, when I'll just give you an example, when I saw Dave Smith debate Nick Sarwark and I, you know, there was a lot of things that Sarwark said and, you know, things that we pointed out on the show, uh, didn't seem very libertarian. And I leaned more towards Dave's, the Dave Smith side, which is like, okay, we need to be, we need to be focusing on in different areas than what the current libertarian party is doing. And so when I listen to Angela and Michael Heiss and Scott Horton and Dave Smith and the people who are big in the Mises caucus and what they're trying to do is shifting that direction, um, in a more localized fashion to, to grow that. Now I could be totally wrong, but that's just kind of what I get. And so I, it's like, it's hard for me to understand like this old guard, new guard type of thing. I find it, um, I find it frustrating from an outside perspective, although I am now a member of the Libertarian Party. I just, I'm glad. I just signed I up a couple months ago. And I'm not. And Congratulations. Not. <laughs> so, well, so, I mean, let's talk about some of the large-scale public stuff that happened, right? Okay, so when, uh, when Libertarian Party of New Hampshire tweets out, uh, you know, $6 million for student loan relief or else you're anti-Semitic, what's the point of that? Right? I mean, it's probably why the same. invoke the Holocaust? Probably about the same point as that shirt on our table right there. Uh, right. <laughs> I would say it, it is to stir people up, and I understand. We just talked to to Angela about this, and she said that she uh, did not agree with a lot of what came out of uh, out of New so, Hampshire. So that's where we and, get the point of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You have to stand up for stuff, okay? If you are the chair of a party, that is your position, okay? Stand up for the stuff that you think is not okay. Otherwise, silence is compliance. But what about free speech? What about libertarianism? You can no people were harmed in the tweeting of these words. Free speech, you know, free speech is totally fine. You can say I agree that people have the right to say this, but I don't agree with it. Yeah, that's where we should be. This isn't Define, a, this isn't representative of the organi organization. Exactly. Yeah. Define what it is that libertarians stand for and what's important to us, and stand up for those principles. Because if you don't. People say this is what libertarianism is, and so right now, you know, we're getting ready to do a project. All right, so I'm not, I'm not talking about everything personal, but we're doing a project in Atlanta, targeted to inner-city Atlanta, where we're not saying libertarian and we're not saying liberty, but we're talking about self-reliance. We're talking about financial education. We're talking about entrepreneurism because we believe that those things happen to liberty. But if I go in there and I say libertarian, and they're like, "Oh, you are those, you are those guys who said, uh, you know, Jeremy Kaufman said, I'm a libertarian who believes in reparations. You can either have a plane ticket back to Africa or shut the fuck up. Okay, you know what? That's not okay. I'm going to stand up against that. Yeah, because that's not what it's about. There was another tweet that they tweeted out on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm pretty sure that they did that they did delete. I can't remember the. Uh, the content of it, but it was pointed out in a recent article that we that we went through this week uh, from the yeah. Hill. Well, and, but, but here's and the I, th here's the thing with that. I, I will say is like, you know, I feel like that you're always going to have fringe. There's always going to be some fringe people in certain things, and I do think that you like this whole denouncing thing. That, see, and this is where I get mixed up because it's like it's like the same folks who are calling Tom Woods a Nazi because. Perhaps, maybe, there's a few uh, self-described Nazis who listen to his show. Like, how is that any of his fault? And, and you can look at Tom's years of work, and clearly he's not a Nazi. 
No, so Tom, like, Tom Woods is definitely not a Nazi. So, so, so my thing is, is like, okay, you're always going to have these fringe folks, like they're small and they're loud, right? Yeah. Let's let's say a David Duke. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I, I guess the the pro. Uh, my thing is, is like, hmm. I th- I see where you're coming from on the, hey, this was like, let's say, hey, this was tweeted from a Libertarian Party affiliation. That's not the Libertarian Party platform. So, like, not saying that it's illegal for them to tweet that because we don't believe in making that illegal. However, we don't agree with it. I can see where you're coming from on that. But also, I, what I think what bothers me is then to take that and be like, oh, well, this is what the leadership believes. I'd, like, I feel like we can separate those. If I could find a way to say there is separation, but the only way I can do that is by somebody to make a statement on those issues. Okay, I mean, okay. Uh, you're talking about David Duke, right? So David Duke ran as both a Republican and a Democrat. And every time he like got in public media, the Democrats and the Republicans said, hey, that's not our guy. Okay, he has run as something else. Lyndon LaRouche is a great example for the older audience out there, right? Lyndon LaRouche ran as both a Republican and a Democrat, eventually went to jail for tax fraud. Um, and, you know, one of my favorite jokes, right? Lyndon LaRouche ran for president as both a, libertarian, uh, both a Republican and a Democrat, went to jail, not going to get to be president, but now will be somebody's first lady. <laughs> um, however, you know, every time that those guys said something, the major parties said, you know, look, this is just a fringe, crazy person. Okay. We're going to address it once. And I don't think they don't need to do it all the time. They don't need to go out there and say, you know what? We condemn everything this person says. Just one time say, this person is crazy. So uh, Carlin Boroshenko, right, who is the uh, libertarian candidate for governor in New Hampshire. Okay. She said that every Jew who died in the Holocaust chose to die in the Holocaust, and Hitler is in heaven for helping them die. Jesus. How is that a libertarian position? How do you not come out and say, you know what? This person's crazy. They can't speak for us. I, I think I would have to come out and say that yeah, that's not even, a libertarian Even Prager, position, who she used to work for Prager. Prager's like, hey, that's yeah. crazy talk. Yeah. No, I agree with extreme stuff like that. I think I've looked at the uh, LPNH's Twitter as more like a comedian type thing. But then again, they are representing part of the, the party. And when I spoke to Angela, I said, is there a benefit to having a unified party message like what you see with Republicans and Democrats? You know, they're pretty much talking on the same points all the right. time. And, uh, and, and she agreed that there would be some, some value to that, but it would be... Uh, Maybe difficult to implement uh, yeah. immediately on the, uh, uh, I, I under the budget. That. I agree with that. You know? I'm, I'm going to say like three basic principles. Number one, okay, people should be as free as they possibly can. Number two, we should be toler- actually tolerant of behavior. And tolerance doesn't mean you get to do with all the things that I agree with. You get to do all the things that I don't agree with, but I don't think I can legally stop you. Number three, don't be a small-minded bigot. Yeah. I got, I got then, that. And I don't think that... Go ahead, Charlie. Well, I was going to say, I do agree when you say silence is violence, I think. No, I, think, I didn't say silence is violence. I said silence is compliance. Silence is compliance. I, I agree with that fundamentally because I do think, you know, the more I've learned about the, uh, the Holocaust and the Soviet Union and things like that, the people who were, uh, who may have disagreed but didn't have a voice, they didn't tell the truth, they didn't stand up for what they believed in, right. it ended up becoming compliant that led to a disaster. Yep. So I do think in, that you do have to, to stand up to those things. So I, I see where you're coming from on that. Um, I guess my hope is, is like, I want to see, I want to see a unified party. I think 
I think there's good people on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine people on both sides. Yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah. I, I, I think that, I, like I said, I think it's 80% of the people in the Libertarian Party are people that I was proud to work with. Okay, I mean, I, I grew membership by 50% during the time I was executive director. I didn't bring all those people into the movement because I thought, oh, you know, we're going to go crazy. I brought them in because I thought that we were a force for good. Okay, I believe that there is a place for a liberty movement. I think that the Liberty Libertarian Party, the brand has been tarnished deliberately, and I don't know that it can be reclaimed. Mm. So there needs to be something new. Like I see the Association of State Liberty Parties rising up. Uh, I see other organizations rising up. I think there's a new place. Uh, it's not like anything the Libertarian Party had, except for ballot access, was particularly valuable. If you think about the fact that you know a party that's been around for over 50 years can't get a budget of more than $2 million a year, maybe it's time to try something else. If we were a business, we would say, yeah, you know what? Let, let's start going in a different well, that's direction. Why I really like what you're doing with People for Liberty. Uh, Thank you. Things like that, like that is the answer that really rings true with me. And uh, I've always had an issue with political parties in, in general um, because I don't want to get boxed in on anything and all that. So People for Liberty, what you're doing, it's a smart technological solution. Thank you. Going out, finding people where they are, and messaging to them with what could bring them over to not the LP, but to libertarianism. And maybe they don't even know that that's what it's called, but they right. they at least can feel that way and come to that on their own. So we we really love what you're doing with that. So that's good. Let me, let, I guess this is my cue to plug once more. That's people for liberty, people number four, liberty.org. If you do people for liberty.org, it takes you to a porn site. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't take you to a porn site. But people, because now, that's actually a bad idea. People's going to do that now. People number four, liberty.org. And uh, we're coming up on a bunch of really exciting things this year. And so we want everybody to be our partners. It's always a pleasure for me to be on Good Morning yeah. Liberty. Dan, thank you. Thanks, Dan.